This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Josh. I just feel like I'm bogged down in City Burton Albion talk. Who, oh. you know, what kind of starting lineup is Burton going to put out? Biggest game of the year. Huge cup final on the line. Uh, it's and then the ripple effects that we're going to see throughout FPL mm-hmm. because of this this one cup match. So it, uh, sure, just an, an incredible buildup. And you've got to think if the burden players play well, they're all going to get snatched up in the January transfer window too. Nine, ten, maybe the entire starting eleven of Burton, you know, makes its way into Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City. Of course, I mean, yeah. they'll, they'll be you know blown away by the, them recovering from this nine nil deficit. It's less a uh, second leg of a cup semifinal, more just a shop window. That's that's the way I'm thinking of this match. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's uh, game week 23 is in the books. Uh, we're we're actually recording this on a um, it's on a Monday. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day here in the states, and uh, yeah, we have day off. Unfortunately, there's no Monday match today, so we are just recording the podcast, recapping game week 23. We have a lot of template talk that we're going to talk about later. We're going to talk about the the um, the the newly formed, what almost feels like a, a locked-in template of about eight or nine players. And we're going to talk about whether that's actually true. We're going to talk about how to how to break up that template. I know that a lot of people are feeling kind of frustrated right now. Like, you know, I'm down 80 points in my mini league. How the heck am I going to make up those points when I have the same eight players and I have to, you know, I have to. I, I use have to in quotation marks, but, you know, I have to Captain Sala every game week too. So, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about game week 23, Brendan. How was your game week? Well, I finished on 65 points, which is remarkably 12 points above the average, though I did feel feel like um, I mean, this is probably all going to dovetail with all of our template talk because I do Mm -hmm. feel like I have so many template players, uh, Rashford and Pogba and Jimenez and Captain Sala Robertson in the back. So in in a way, my game week did come together, but uh, What was going to be the key to me in game week 23 was the Arsenal-Chelsea match. 
I yep. have Hazard in my midfield and Aubameyang up front. Yep. Neither of those players performed, and that pretty much torpedoed any green arrow that I might have received. So I ended up dropping about 2,000 spots, uh, and I'm around 18,300 overall at the moment. Yeah, how are you feeling about Hazard? Are you... Um what like what what's going on with you and him right now? Are you <laughs> are you are you happy with him? Are you you probably have to keep him for these upcoming fixtures? I mean, what's your what's your yeah. state of mind with Eden? My I, I tried to give this a fair amount of thought because I knew that I'd have to talk about it and talk a sort of give a voice to the voiceless, all those FPL managers out there who also have Hazard. So there's a lot of them <laughs> ahead of this pod. I was trying to think of what do I actually think about Hazard? Mm-hmm. The closest I can get is he just feels like a family member at this point where right. uh, I'm stuck with him. And it was the that Arsenal match was backbreaking for me in terms of not having an, any Man City midfield coverage and relying on Hazard to put up these points. Right. Yet we have these two upcoming fixtures, Bournemouth and Huddersfield. So there is this impulse to, yeah, stick it, stick through it. And what I've been saying week after week is Hazard, we have come to know him as this player that is wildly unpredictable. And the only way to squeeze any juice out of him is to hang on even when it feels wrong. And I right. tell you what, it feels very wrong <clears throat> to hold on to him. If I didn't it's, have Hazard right now, there's no yeah. way I would be bringing him in. No, I, I do agree with that. I mean, I guess the um, the one thing that has to be noted here is we're recording this on you know, Monday, January 21st. The next run of Premier League matches is, is what, nine days away, right? It's I think it's the 29th or the 30th, um, whatever that Tuesday is next week. <clears throat> and so it's possible that by then they have brought in Gonzalo Higuain, that, that you know, he's sort of back to his more familiar wing spot. I'm still not – we're going to talk about him a little bit later. I'm still not totally convinced. Like he, he's, he hasn't had a very you know strong season in, in Serie A. Um, he, he's 31 years old. Uh, I just – this idea that he's going to come in and kind of save Chelsea's season, it feels like that's like a, some wishful thinking on some people's part. I, I just – I'm not sure that I see it. Um, is he an upgrade over Murata? Sure. Um, is he an upgrade over Giroud? I honestly don't know. I'm not sure that he is. I mean Giroud has been – has been, you know, he just lacked full fitness, you know, which I think is probably preventing him from being, you know, um, a full-time starter in that squad. But um, I don't know. I mean, are you, do you think that Higuain makes you more excited to have Hazard? No. And it makes me less excited about Sari uh, in general, because he's starting to cut this figure of a guy who's just out of ideas, like a CEO who's the business is sort of failing. So you start bringing in people from your old regime back when, during happier times. So sorry, it's right. going back, you know, Jorginho's performance was, was truly awful. I thought against Arsenal and Jorginho is meant to be, uh, you know, the, the focal point of Sarri's way of playing. And he's bringing in Higuain also had great times with him at Napoli. Right. This idea that all he has to do is get the gang back together and it'll be happier times. Right. I, that is concerning to me. Yeah, Stoke City sort of tried this, you know, a couple of years ago. It's like, let's take every good player from about six, every promising youth player from seven years ago uh, and put them all into our squad. And Well, like, but it, that's, it's, it's not exactly happens. the same because no, you're right. Sorry you're right. is bringing in, like, had Mark Hughes actually worked with uh, Shakiri and, and – uh, Right, that, that other Bar- Barcelona guy, then maybe. Yeah, I guess it's more like it's it's more like West Ham, right, where they've got Zabaleta and yes. Simon Nazari and 
yeah, all of Pellegrini's di- favorites. Pe- Pellegrini's favorites. Yeah, I guess that's a more yeah. a more apt comparison. But you wouldn't expect that at a club of Chelsea's level. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one, but um, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's 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 a fun. At least it'll add a little bit. Uh, we were talking about template a minute ago. Um, it it will add an interesting new option. It sort of depends on what price he comes in at too. I think um, I, he's got to come in at least ten million, right? Just given his his goal scoring yeah. record, his historic goal scoring record. Yeah, setting records in Serie A for most goals in a season. Yeah, 10, 10 sounds about right. 9.5, and I'd think maybe FPL Towers is just trying to throw us a bone, saying right. maybe you can afford him at this price tag. Yeah, but only, you know, only 8 and 24. Uh, eight goals in 24 matches for um, for AC Milan this year, and they're basically giving them away. So yeah. um, not exactly something to get super excited about. So yeah. uh, who are your – so, okay, Hazard, bit of a flaw. Uh, um, let me, let me just else? say one last thing about Hazard. The, the most frustrating thing about him is particularly this game week, Hazard was meant to be the differential, a premium differential that would right. – uh, propel me into the top 10k now i'm at the point where i'm hanging on to hazard as a differential not to push me ahead but a differential right. to help catch up the ground that i've lost because i've had him uh, so this is like that horrible cycle the the awful so okay let me ask you this hazard is 11 million right in the game right now do you ever feel like you could captain him do you ever feel comfortable captaining him I mean, I tried it two weeks ago and it blew up in my face Yeah, uh, because Asawa came away with that penalty and all three bonus and he was widely captain. So, no, I, yeah. I don't trust him for that at all. So an 11 million player that you really couldn't trust a captain, I, there's, you know, I mean, you know, obviously Salah is in a, in, a, in a state of form right now where you really just have to captain him all the time or, or most of the time. Uh, we're going to talk about that actually a little bit, too. But I mean, yeah, you wonder, I mean, if you can't captain Hazard, if you never, if you don't trust him enough to do that, it probably is better to just go down a couple million, right? And bring in, I don't know, like a 9 million player or something, you know, even, even with well, these good fixtures. I don't know. It's, you it's, bring it's in a, a, the, there are two clear options here. You stick it out with Hazard or I bring in a Manchester City midfielder. Right. And I, I think the one thing that Hazard it's a, it's a strange season and a strange quote template for Hazard right now because I don't think for a lot of managers having Hazard is preventing me from having a a different type of team. I'd have the exact same team, but I'm just swapping in a city midfielder for Hazard. It's not like right. the Sala 13 million problem that we talk about where he just he corrupts the entire structure of your team for whatever, right. for whatever reason, you know, uh, players like uh, Rashford and Jimenez coming in as really affordable goal scorers, right. it's left room for us to develop them. And, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I guess we'll, we'll have to, we'll, we'll record another podcast before game week 24. So in that podcast, we can talk a little bit more about Higuain if he joins and, and sort of see, See what the general feeling, you know, take the temperature of the FPL, FPL community a little bit more. Um, yeah. So I finished on 78 points. Uh, as you said, pretty similar team to yours. I mean, the real difference uh, was that I have Leroy Sané instead of Eden Hazard. And uh, he came through again with 12 points. Uh, and then uh, David Brooks, my <laughs> my like my little find who just keeps uh, trucking along, you know, has five goals and three assists in the season. Uh, still 5.8% ownership across the board. He only costs 5.1 million. Um, I very seriously considered dropping him this game week. Um, I was considering bringing in um, uh, Deli Alley. 
And I, when Ellie scored, I was like, I, I kind of wondered if I'd made a mistake. But then with with the injury, I guess I feel like I sort of lucked out a little bit there. Even though yeah, you dodged a bullet, yeah. dodged a bullet. Although I would have picked up, uh, I think, seven more points this game week uh, had I had him over Brooks because um, I did go Kiko Feminia to Robertson, um, and Feminia finished on nine points in that match. But I feel good having Robertson long term. I held on to Trent Alexander Arnold um, because now it looks, you know, this week was all about the was the Trent Alexander Arnold, you know, situation, the weird, like it was reported by, you know, very trustworthy sites that he was out for a month. Klopp comes out and says, it's like, it's, you know, neck and neck for tomorrow, whether he's going yeah. to play. Right. Um, so like, what do you do then? You know, and it felt like a waste to drop him if he was that close to coming back. You know, I, so I decided just to start him, see if he played. Um, he got benched, and um, but now I've got two Liverpool defenders and and Salah, and I do feel pretty good about that because I feel like they're the one of the few teams I can actually trust to play good defense. So um, yeah, seventy eight all told. I I had Lucas. I mean, I have a very template backfield now. I had uh, Doherty, Dean, and Robertson. Uh, I had Patricio as my keeper. Um, the goalkeeper situation feels like a bit of a problem because I I don't I don't think anyone feels good right now about the um about the wolves defense i mean they haven't kept a clean sheet since game week 17 um yeah. and before that the last game clean sheet was in game week eight right yeah. so one game yeah one clean sheet in what 14 game weeks i mean you know matt doherty is is fine i mean he's still going to pick up plenty of assists attacking points it was kind of shocking that he'd been rested but he had played i think virtually every single match over the holiday so must have just needed you know needed the extra rest yeah. Um, I don't see I don't see that as any kind of long term concern about him, him, you know, him being a starter. If you do look at Wolves yeah. fixtures, though, coming up, they're just really terrific. Home Wolves in game week 24, then Everton, Newcastle, yeah. Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Cardiff. Sensational. Yeah. So you, you, yeah. what is what is the alternate solution? It's uh, true. I mean, I don't really trust any of these 4.5. I mean, the, the solution would have been, I guess, to bring in Allison instead. Um, I, but I don't really trust anyone else. I don't trust De Gea. Uh, I don't trust Ederson. Um, Etheridge has been picking up a lot of points, but I mean, Cardiff are bad, you know, yeah. and you'd expect them to lose a ton of games and, you know, and he'll pick up saves occasionally, but is he, is he really going to be worth that much more than Patricio that it's really worth bringing a transfer on? I just, I don't think so. And I guess I'm hoping that, um, Vicente Gaeta gets healthy and, um, and then I can rotate my keepers again, you know, but but for now, it's kind of a kind of a mess. So I do think Ben Foster yeah. has been one of the more under the radar goalkeepers this season. I mean, just five clean sheets for Watford. Right. In, including uh, this past week. But he's just really great at, at picking up save points. Fabianski level. So that and and they have some decent fixtures. If you if you put aside uh, Spurs and Liverpool in the next five. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you just put aside those two awful fixtures, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a, but even then, you expect him to pick up some save points in yep. there too. Yep. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, but again, like you said, five clean sheets in twenty three. I mean, that's not a player I'm like dying to, to burn a transfer on either. Like maybe on a wild card, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, interestingly, he's picked up four uh, four points in the last in game weeks twenty one and twenty two, even without a clean sheet. So um, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, he's 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 in good form, but I, I just I don't know if I totally trust that defense. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's the game week. I mean, it's uh, talking looking ahead to next game week. I don't really know what my move is going to be yet. Right now, I I don't actually think I need to make a transfer. Um, I think the big question for me is um, is Aaron Wambasaka, and you know he's up to thirty three percent ownership. Uh, 
but can you trust him anymore if if you know if, if they're gonna have to keep rolling Speroni out there? I mean, <laughs> Speroni was just a complete disaster in that Liverpool game. Now, granted, you know, maybe some of that was just that he was, you know, hadn't hadn't caught a game and you know, who knows how long. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean that the, the you know, spilling it on the solid goal. I feel like he made a couple other mistakes in the match as well. Um, you know, it just, it doesn't take much to lose your clean sheet, you know? So, uh, it definitely is moving Wambasaka a little bit farther down the pecking order. No, that is a, that's, that is not a concern that I have, uh, with Tompkins and Sacco in the middle for Crystal Palace. I think that is a solid enough center back pairing that can protect their, uh, their goalkeeper, be it Speroni or Goetzer or Hennessy. I'm fine with that. Aaron Wambasaka is is just incredible cash value. Maybe when you play your wild card and you're tinkering around with double game week players, but no, I, that's undue panic from ours. Well, I'm not saying I'm going to drop him. I'm just saying that I, there are matches now where I would consider starting him where I'm going to be benching him because I don't trust what he can do against, you know, a decent team. Yeah, sure. Okay. If you're home to Huddersfield or Cardiff, you know, it's fine. Um, all right, Brandon. Well, that's that's our game week recapped. Um, shorter than usual. Normally, that's like a good thirty minutes there, but we're. I think we're. Oh, but I will say what's what's cool um, for me personally, even if uh, no one else really cares, is that I am up to five thousand eight hundred and sixty overall. So, um, knocking on the door of the top five k, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, I have two top five k finishes in my career. Um, really hoping for a third. Um, that'd be really. Del, you know, I'd be delighted if that were to happen. Um, and it's been a couple We'd of years. We'd all be delighted, Josh. <laughs> I'm sure you would be. Uh, but uh, that's that's a good feeling. It's it's nice to uh, to be inside. I mean, you're, you're inside the top 20K. So, uh, you know, both of us continue to have, uh, you know, really, really solid seasons. Yeah, for sure. Can't can't complain. But Brandon, we're not doing as well as the top 10 in the always cheating Super League. Not by a long shot. I'm 5K in the world and I am 221st in the always cheating Super League, which is uh, pretty remarkable, Brandon. It's a testament to how good the league is. The top seven managers in the league are all in the top 100 in the world. Brandon, I'm going to run through the top 10 this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it, okay? Usually I let you do this because you're better at pronouncing names than I am, but I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to kill it, all right? Godspeed. All right. Got a tie for 10th. Uh, Greasy's Fortnite dub, Martin Uhr, and Debo Atletico, Darren Jacobs. Uh, in ninth, we've got Ek Number, Vivek Isham, Number eight is Patron Brandon Owl FC Alex Suarez. Good number man. seven is the Crazy Gang Sir Ito Nigrin. Number six is the Legend himself Fabio Borges Clichy's Clean Sheets. Number five is Expected to Loose uh, Chris McCartney. Um, also a new patron, Brandon. We got a lot of patrons in the top. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number four is Two Girls One Clop Jason Mann. Number three is Nacho Macho Man Matthew Shannon. Number two is Back to the Office Stian Cerebo. And number one is Pujolski. Uh, that's uh, Miroslav Pujic. So uh, congratulations to everybody in the top 10. Um, if you are in the top 10 and I'm mispronouncing your name, please uh, send us an email or tweet or something and let us know. Oh, yeah. Or the rest of the of the world can send us emails about our mispronunciations. We love that. <laughs> yeah. And no, I want to know. I mean, you know, I, I don't care if I mispronounce Milovojevic, you know, or however you say it. Like, you know, Milovojevic. he's a millionaire. 
Milly Voyevich. He's a millionaire football player. He doesn't listen to the podcast. But if someone <laughs> listens to the podcast and they're having a good season, I would like to actually say their name correctly, if at all possible. So, all right. Here, here's, a, yeah. here's a segue. Uh, if you want to email us and complain about our pronunciation, that's fine. But if you would rather thank Josh and I for the hard work we're doing week to week on the Always <laughs> Cheating podcast that is free and entertaining, you can just hit us up on our Patreon page. I don't think it's, we're allowed to call it entertaining, Brandon. <laughs> I'm having a great time. I don't know it if is you can free. tell. <laughs> it is free. It's occasionally entertaining. So uh, head to patreon.com slash always cheating. There are a number of different tiers there, which you can contribute and get access to some leagues in our Slack channel and our new weekly, bi-weekly advice shows called the Kitchen Table Sessions. We've set up a private RSS podcast feed that you can drop in your favorite podcast app and listen to all these Patreon-exclusive pods every week. We're answering patron questions. We have a book club that's coming up talking about Gianluca Viali's The Italian Job. So lots of cool stuff. Yep. I think since we started the Patreon, Brandon, I think that's probably been the the single most popular thing we've done so far. In terms of the, the feedback uh, we've had from from patrons, the yeah, kitchen, the table, kitchen table sessions, yeah, Ab- absolutely. So uh, while while we're on the subject, just a thank you to our new patrons this week. At the Poku tier, it's Sam Danby, uh, two new Lord Sorloff patrons, Johannes Forsberg and Eric Trollius. And at the Embakani level, thank you to Sasha Cole, Aaron May, Peter Oleski, Alex Patel, Andrew Lum, Jason Hughes, and Sean O'Berry. Brandon, thanks for reading those names off, and thank you to everyone who has supported the podcast. Really, sincerely appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay, should we take a quick break and come back and talk about this template situation? Let's do it. All right, Brandon, we're back. It is time to talk about the template, okay? This is like the template is a dirty word, right? Template is – it's one of those words that like unless you're like a serious – fantasy manager you may not even know this word right this is not a word that like american fantasy players are familiar with because in you know in american fantasy you have you know this draft i mean i guess there is draft in in, in premier league fantasy as well but you know most most people play this 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 other style the what is it called is there a version is there a name for this kind of style the like just best 11 style or something yeah. i don't know I, I classic i guess people tend to call it fpl classic <laughs> it's like fpl like classic <laughs> So this is that FPL2 that uh, Coca-Cola was trying to push on us for a long time. Now, this is the original right. formula. All right. So I think for a lot of the season, we actually haven't had too much of a template. I think that we've – especially when it comes to captains too. And then three things sort of happened all at once and at, these, at the end of last game week. One is the Harry King got injured. The second is that Sun left for the Asian Games. And the third is that Trent Alexander-Arnold got injured. Right. Or was more mm-hmm. injured than we thought or whatever. Um, then, you know, came out that he was going to be out for four weeks. So suddenly you are in a position where, you know, Marcus Rashford was a bit of a, you know, he wasn't owned by a ton of people. Um, and he certainly wasn't the most owned player in the game as he as he is as of yesterday. Um, and so everyone went, all right, Kane to Rashford. Very easy. <laughs> Frees up yeah. a lot of money. Um, the Sun was a player that a lot of people didn't. I, I have, I'm having a, you know, really solid season. Didn't own Sun once, you know, for the entire season, right? Hmm. And so you drop Sun, you go right to Pogba, right? It's like almost exactly the same price point. Great run of fixers coming up. Trent Alexander-Arnold goes. A lot of people like me suddenly had this extra money from going from Kane to Rashford. It's Arnold to to Robertson, you know? And then it was like all of these kind of, you can have one or you can have the other. Suddenly it was like we all just had the same people. Mm -hmm. And it it created the situation where 
I felt like every team I was looking at had like almost like the same nine people, you know, or eight or nine of the yeah. same players. Right. Just uh, to put it, yeah. just to put it more simply, ever there was one particular moment in time where everyone had multiple holes to plug in their team, and there right. were these specific players that were in form. Henceforth, yeah. everything just came together funnels yeah. to the same place if, if you didn't go sun to you know i mean i'm assuming of course you didn't have these people already but if you didn't go from sun to pogba you were just you were just overthinking it right i mean it was such an obvious move given his form given the given the fixtures given the price point yeah um and you know i guess you could argue I mean, if you if you didn't have rashford already then Kane to rashford was really exactly the same right because rashford's a you know, seven million forward, seven point five, whatever he's at now. Who's yeah. playing like a ten? He's playing like Lukaku, right? He's playing like a ten point five million forward. Yeah, um, and so that was super easy as well. I mean, well, let, let me let me just stop you right there, um, yeah. just to add to it. We've got a lot of questions coming up regarding this, but these strike forces where I thought I saw the most creative thinking with right. Kane out there. There were a lot of teams that were just with Kane. They didn't have both Aubameyang and Kane. Mm-hmm. And for for some reason, there was l- very little temptation, maybe with the Chelsea fixture happening in game week 23, there was very little um, uh, call to go straight from Kane to Aubameyang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Firmino starts to pop up as a popular striker differential. So a lot of, I saw a lot of teams up in the top 25K who were rolling with a very cheap front line in Rashford and Jimenez or Firmino and Rashford and Jimenez. And uh, Aubameyang is weirdly becoming this uh, premium differential for a lot of the top managers right now. So that right. that I saw a lot more um, sort of going zigging and zagging as opposed to the midfield where I totally agree. It was basically Pogba entered into everyone's thinking this week. Right. And when you look at the back lines, I think that there's there's a real consensus about who you want to have right now, too. You know, I think that, um, you know, Lucas Dean, it, it's just like it's it's not usual, I think, to have a season where there are so many people in the four point five to five million price bracket, at least as a starting price. Now, they've 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 have risen in price, but that 4.5 to 5 million price bracket that are just extremely valuable players to own, right? Because of a combination of clean sheets, bonus points, and attacking returns. And, you know, Matt Doherty and Luca Dean are the kind of the two the two prime candidates here. I think you could throw Channel Alexander Arnold in there as well. Um, although obviously, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's maybe injured. Maybe he isn't. I, I don't think we throw still him in there. Know. Throw yeah. him in there. Throw just in there. I think yeah. you can read the tea leaves there. You could read what, yeah. not, not to be poetic, to just read what Klopp is saying. It's not that bad of in, an injury. We don't need to panic about him. Right. So you know, and then Aaron Wambasaka, another player who most of us have had for you know close to the whole season. You know, if we didn't have him from the start. Still only costs four point five million. Just offers fantastic value. Um, Somehow he's more Robinson. expensive than Belbuena, who is just <laughs> sucking up energy, life force from my squad on my bench right yeah. now. He's all all the way down to four point two now. What a disaster! <laughs> so you're in this position where it it does feel very similar. And you know, I have been here before myself, and I have. Um, it's it's always been a struggle for me to uh, you know I, I mentioned a podcast a couple weeks ago that I think that when you are trailing in your league the surest way to come back is to just pretend that you are in first place in your league right to just act like you are the top manager you want the most stable template team that you can possibly get and then you just want to like you want to make transfers like you're holding off 
people below you, you know, like you're fending mm-hmm. off any, any potential risers, you know, you just want to play very conservatively. I am wondering though, if because of all these injuries, if you do have to now start thinking about differentials a little bit earlier, because okay. I just think, you know, you could have made an argument for Kane as a captain, if he had played in that full, match, you know, holding on to sun. And, but I do. Th- okay. So I don't want to talk myself into circles here, but it may be that we're in a time where the template is very locked in, but I think that the template only stays locked for about two or three game weeks. Mm-hmm. Something always happens to shake up the template. I mean, remember Ram, Brandon? I do. do you want to talk about? Do you, let's talk about Ram. Remind everybody what Ram was. Robertson, yeah, cast your mind way back to Robertson, Alonzo, and Mendy. This was this was the early season template. We're now yeah. in mid-season template. Uh, this is like episode two of a three-episode epic movie arc, and and like you're say, you were saying, we're we're now living in a in a time in which Dean and Doherty are. It's like the opening crawl of a Star Wars film, and now, <laughs> and now there are these. <laughs> hopefully, some back di- differentials are going to come in and 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 release some some uh, plans to the I don't know template. But I'm just walking way too far down this road. Right, um, but there was a time when basically everyone in there, everyone felt like the template was completely locked because you had to have these three players, all who cost between six and seven million. Mm-hmm. Right, and that was the only way that that you could, you could to be safe and to be stable was to have these three players. Now, Robertson is the only one left. Right, Mendy maybe someday. He uh, survived. Alonzo, he was the boy that the boy that lived. <laughs> the boy who lived. Uh, yeah, I mean, Alonzo is Alonzo is out of most people's team. Uh, Mendy's gone. It's it it doesn't last. These templates don't last. And yeah. I mean, you, you know, you look ahead game week twenty seven. You know, Sane and Dean are, are both going to be missing from that match because of um, because of the League Cup final. I mean, unless Burton Albion somehow scores 10 goals in the second leg, which I don't think anyone thinks. What are the odds of that? Like one in infinity? Like it's not going to happen. So yeah. you're going to be missing those players. If Chelsea win against Spurs at midweek, which I think has to be likely given all the Spurs injuries that are happening right now, then Alonso and Hazard – you know, I mean, maybe maybe you just bench some of these players for one week, but I think maybe this is when you start to see the template break up a little bit, right? You yeah. start to you know consider, especially because I think you know thinking about Chelsea in particular. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to pull up um, their fixtures real quick. It's it's probably a good time. Let's just assume for a minute that they win that match, right? That they win at midweek and that they don't play in game week 27. Then it would be Man City away blank spurs in in those three fixtures mm-hmm. you know none of those well obviously the, the blank is bad man city way is bad and spurs is not a good fixture either right so yeah. that's that's the time when we're going to start to see this template break up a little bit you know and and people are just going to have a lot of money to burn around right i mean if you know kane still won't be back and i don't know it'll be so i think that you know it might just be a temple for like two more game weeks and then i think we're going to start to see some real shifts take place or the template will further coalesce. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm I'm waiting for game week 25 to come and go so I can get rid of Hazard and then mm-hmm. get myself closer to, you know, I like bringing in a city midfielder in place of Hazard seems like I'm getting closer to something that pre-exists. I see right. but there, there is another template issue that I think happens season upon season where either you are ahead of the template or you're behind the template in that, mm-hmm. um, 
I feel like I have gotten some players early that have become template, and then I uh, then I start to start to recede as I'm not able to keep up with and refine that ongoing template, and then I'm waiting for the next template the new, to come along. It's template. true. Yeah, I got Pogba right as he started to become template. I bought him. I think at seven point nine million. Maybe it was seven point eight million. Um, and now he's up to 8.6 million. So, okay. So look, looking at that, let's, let's think about this for a minute that. So who are some possible candidates for the next template, right? Like if, if a template team, if a template player is just a, like, you know, I mean like a, a, everyone becomes template if they're good, right? Like if, uh-huh. you know, like everyone is a low ownership differential for about two or three game weeks before they become template as, as you were just saying. So, you know, three candidates that stick out to me. Um, I think that uh, Diogo Jota is, you know, is a really prime candidate. I think, you know, a lot of people are going to be big up in him. It's, it's, he's a very easy pick, obviously, because he just, he just scored a hat trick. But he kind of ticks off all the boxes, right? 5.9 million, 1.5% selected by. He's fresh off a hat trick and he has a great track record from last season, right? Diogo Jota was a player that a lot of us had going in. He was in my game week one, two, and three squads, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then he got injured or then he sort of lost his form a little bit. But he had a tremendous goal and assist record last season. And I think that that's what I'm really looking for in a template is I don't want – Usually, I mean, every now and then, like a Harry Kane or Raheem Sterling comes along at five million, you know. But I, I think in most cases, what I'm looking for is a player that has some track record of success. It doesn't have to be in the Premier League, right? It can be in the Championship. It can be in in France. You know, someone like Dimitri Payet was like this, where you know we didn't really know what to think of him. Uh, Son was a little bit like this too. Um, so I, I, I think Jota is a candidate. I think that Lacazette. You're not, you're not concerned at all about how. This that being reactionary, that prior to this hat trick that he scored against Leicester, he's really done not at least he could barely get into the, onto the team sheet at the start of the season. Well, this is but this is the this is the that is the kind of thinking, in my opinion, that stops people from bringing in these players early. Okay, I mean, it doesn't cost anything, you know. I mean, it's five point nine. You're not. It's you're not. It's not like you know. I think what, it'd be really risky if he was eleven million or something, you know. Yeah, but I mean, right. I think it. 1.5% ownership, 5.9 million. It just seems like an easy gamble to me. Okay. You know? And, um, okay, here's another, here's another candidate for you, Brandon. Um, Lay it on me. Yeah. You didn't seem very sold on the Jota thing. So, Pass. um, <laughs> uh, Lacazette, uh, 9.3 million, 6.2% ownership, two goals, uh, in his last three matches. Great fixture. Seems like he's in good form. Took that goal beautifully in the Chelsea match. I actually exclaimed when he scored that goal. I was so, blown away like it was such a beautiful goal i just loved his movement on that goal and then he way he roofed it you know the near post yeah Yeah, well taken the dude has a foot he can he can definitely smack that ball yeah so uh, four terrific fixtures in his next five isn't owned by anybody um i don't know what do you think about him are you most more sold than him as a candidate i tried this a month ago and it certainly didn't work uh, it does seem that the narrative has really changed around Arsenal since a month ago, that their mm-hmm. entire midfield almost evaporated in that time with right. the Mkhitaryan injury and Ozil cannot, uh, he cannot get into Emery's good graces. So Lacazette mm-hmm. now again seems integral to that offense. Like they need goals and Aubameyang can try and score them all, but he won't. So it, it seems like Lacazette is more locked in to playing at least 65 minutes every match and as i said he's a great goal scorer so i 
I do like that. Though this example, I, I'm not going to poo-poo everything, but maybe I'll just do it. We'll do a little he said, she said. The counter-argument sure. to Lacazette is why do you not want to just have the best striker on that team? And right. yeah, of course, if you watch the Chelsea game, Lacazette came off a lot better than Aubameyang did. But I think throughout the course of the next five game weeks, I'd put money on Abba scoring more FPL points than Lacazette. Yeah, I think the only argument is just that, you know, Aubameyang is owned by 33% of managers. He's cost $2 million more. Um, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe you have both. You know, like maybe maybe you just roll with both of them and try that. I mean, I think that, you know, part of this like breaking the template, part of this like trying to think differently is even thinking about that kind of thing. Like maybe I just have two, you know, Arsenal forwards. Maybe I just have Sané and Sterling, you know, like, I don't know, like just trying to like find different like things that things that aren't necessarily crazy, but just aren't what everybody else is doing, you know, but that aren't like. I don't, I, I'm never a fan of an utter punt, you know, like just a complete, yeah. like, I'm going to bring in William and I'm going to captain him, you know, yeah. like just the, you know, stuff like that. Never, I'm going to bring in Shakiri, you know, it's just like, yeah. I, it always feels like a little too risky for me. Um, so well, speaking on of, that, on that thought, ahead, you mentioned, you mentioned his name, Raheem Sterling. I think he is poised to be part of a new template because it's, yeah. He's been ticking along, and I think everyone has been doing, myself included, the Hazard Sterling hokey cokey. And it's shocking that Sterling is only owned by eleven percent of teams, and he has, a, a, as as you pointed to, that proven track record. He's a player mm-hmm. that we know. We we know how he performs in the league. He's got attacking returns in the last four games, and still there he sits at eleven like percent ownership. Longest game of hokey cokey. <laughs> six weeks in, six weeks out. <laughs> hey, we say it. We say it every week. It's a game of patience, Josh. It's a game right, of so patience. So let's. So let's. Let's just. I mean, you know, we don't need to run through every single option here. I mean, I think that we talked about a lot of them in, in other podcasts. But um, and let's even let's even assume that just for the time being, you kind of need to have some of these players. Um, you know, I, really hard not to have like maybe two Man United assets right now. I think that you probably want to have both Pogba and and. And Martial, you know, I mean, Pogba, Rash, I think, Rashford, is the one. Rashford. Is, is, thank you. Not, not, Mar, not Marshall. Um, yeah, you, you playing. You playing. <laughs> so you probably want Pogba and Rashford. I think you can get away with no Pogba. Um, I think that it's – you can get, always get away with all of these players, you know. I mean, there, there, there are too many good options right now. It's hard to have everybody, you know. Um, and Pogba is the one who I, I still – I'm not completely convinced is it's going to last, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a rep – like a – any historical record of being like a massive goal scorer in his career, you know, he's on penalties now, which helps, but, um, you know, relying too much on people just cause they take, it's like hazard, you know, it's always kind of one of the things in his back pocket is he's on pens, but he hasn't taken very many, right. He took one in the Watford game, but it feels like he's only taken one in the last, you know, 10 or 12 game weeks. I will say this about his penalty technique, which comes under a lot of criticism. He does that slow run up to fake everyone out. It seems like every single time he kicks the ball, the keeper goes the right way. And yeah. Button almost got that shot if it was just a little lower. Yep. Poor, poor, poor Button. So, um, okay. So let's say that you, for the time being, you need to be um, fairly locked into the template and, you know, a ton of season left, a ton of double game weeks left. Uh, there's a blank coming up in game week 27. If you start to plan for that a little bit, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's there's an edge you can gain there. What about captaincies? Uh, disable from well scout says is it fair to say Salah has been a tad lucky point wise in recent games a string of pens and two tap-ins this week do we just accept at this point that we have to captain him regardless 
Yeah. There is this term, I, I think I heard on another podcast, or maybe it's commonly known, the uh, term effective ownership, where mm-hmm. if you take Sala, who is owned by 50% of FPL, and everyone's going to be cap that 50% are all going to captain him, then his effective ownership is 100%, uh, mm-hmm. which, which, um, you know, I don't know if the, if the, uh, the math really checks out there, but it, it makes it a little more frightening. The, the right. prospect of not captaining a guy who is owned effectively by a hundred percent of FPL. Well, yeah. I mean, especially if we're talking about active managers and the top, you know, 10K and the top 100K. I mean, I think that Salah was captained by something like 77.8% of managers uh, going into uh, – in the top 10K going into this game week. It's it's tricky for now. It is tricky not to captain him. I mean, I'm looking ahead to his next three fixtures. Leicester at home, just shipped four goals. Um, West Ham away. Um Maybe there's a possibility there. I mean, you know, the problem is the other player that I kind of want to captain during this run is Aubameyang, and he's away to uh, to Man City in game week 26. And I, I think we I, do we do we officially feel like Aubameyang is a player who is like borderline benchable in some of these really tough fixtures. Aubameyang. Like, <laughs> No, I don't know, man. It's like I can't believe he does. He's doing nothing in these in these matches against top teams. I mean, our Arsenal's attack is pretty limp. I would say I'm not sure the issue is a bombing, but but I mean, it seems like he does shine in when they're playing poor teams. Yeah, yeah. right. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I um, I, I see where you're yeah. going. I I don't want to totally discuss gonna, it. Out okay, here. I'm not going to bench an 11 million forward, but in any <laughs> circumstance, it's okay? a it's a but, fine idea though. Yeah, but I think he's going to get like between one and two points in that Man City game in, in game week okay. twenty five. So yeah. maybe maybe you captain Hazard in game week twenty five. I don't know. Like I'm just looking ahead at the next six game weeks. I mean, how many times do you see an opportunity not to captain Salah? Is there one, maybe two? I mean, let's see. Yeah, mm, pr- pretty much no. We we were. <laughs> Josh, you and I, were, we were watching some terrible movies last night. We don't need to get into which movies they were, but at some point, <laughs> military strategy came up, and we were talking mm-hmm. about flanking maneuvers and pincer movements, mm-hmm. encirclements, and, mm-hmm. you know, these great battles are not won. Was that during Tombstone or Short Circuit? I can't remember which one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was during Short Circuit. We were talking about pincer movements. But um, these great battles aren't won, uh, it, at least from the like mid nineteenth century onward, by mm-hmm. every every one army just running head on to the other one. You have yeah. to have some strategies. My my point being is your captaincy is like you're headlong into the enemy. Just go with brute force. You will actually right. win the battle through these flanking maneuvers that you are creating with your non captain players who are scoring points. Right, you're 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 David Brooks, the David Brookses yeah. of the world. Yeah, David yeah. Brooks snuck in behind, and he he was throwing grenades in the in the little bunkers behind enemy lines. It was it was beautiful. So uh, my uh, my elaborate point there is, um, I would be in the camp of don't overthink the captaincy. Don't think that the armband is going to be what's going to propel you. Certainly, those will be the big cases in which somebody comes in and says, "Yes, I won my mini league because I went rogue mm-hmm. with the captaincy and it worked out." But nine times out of ten, is it gonna work out? All right, so we're preaching we're preaching patience here. We're preaching, um, you know, stay the course, act like you're number one in your mini league, uh, even if you're a hundred points back. Like you know, pretend that you are 
that you're just, you know, that you're in good form. And every move you make is like you're like you're doing FPL as a career, right? And you're going to get fired if you don't make the right decision, right? It's like yes. a good way to think if you're trying to be like very sensible with your moves. What what game week, what what moment do you start to think about differential? Is there a psychological element here too where like at some point when you're down 100 points, you just have to like – just decide to have fun, but does that even work? You know, because I have to say <laughs> when I'm at a hundred points and I'm like, I'm just going to have fun from now on. I'm just going to captain Jonas Lossel, you know, away, <laughs> away to Southampton or something. Um, I don't have fun. That does not, it does not work out well. And I just sort of continue to feel yeah. bad about the state of my team. So what, what game week do you think? What moment do you start to be more, um, do you just like start to like swing for the fences, you know, and just go for it? It's going to be that blank in game week 27. And as as we were talking about earlier, that will be the game week with the potential City or Spurs, potential City Spurs or Chelsea blank. We're going to have to shift our thinking maybe just for game week 27. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there will be a great case to be made for benching your City assets or your Spurs or Chelsea assets. But I think there will be an opening there to make some really provocative moves to bring in points from these other top six teams in addition knowing more about what the double game weeks might look like uh, later on in the season so right. maybe i'm thinking uh when is my long-term I'm, I'm gonna be the first to bring it up in this episode josh when is my long-term chip strategy double game week thinking going to come into play <laughs> and that yeah. and that uh you know, that'll get you in trouble in the short term, sure. But I, I do think yeah. everyone's frame of mind is going to change right around 27. There's an outside chance of an early double game week in the in the 20s. I think it would be game week 25. If so, uh, I promise you we will do an emergency podcast. It may just be a 15-minute podcast, but we'll at least come on and talk about it then. But I'm, I'm assuming for now that we won't have any double game weeks until uh, until we're into the 30s, which, which seems – Based based on historical data, it seems like the most likely situation. Uh, Brandon, a couple more questions in this in this template discussion. Uh, Takomi Toffee says, uh, "Are there more than ten viable FPL assets at this point?" It says differentials seem to be a graveyard. Yeah, uh, I, I tend to. Well, I, I, it might be a graveyard. I think they're hard to identify. It's mm -hmm. also a scary thing, much like graveyards too, to take a leap of faith with right. some of these lesser known players. So um, I, I think it's slightly true that it's a graveyard that we haven't seen too many emerge, but yeah, your, your, your good friend and early find David Brooks. Mm -hmm. That's a great example of someone who is under the radar and no one talks about week to week of like, Oh, have you noticed what he's doing? Right. Maybe you should definitely consider him. Yeah. Uh, or or Ryan Fraser for that matter. You yeah. talk about these these uh, budget midfielders that are doing the yeoman's work week to week, but yeah. no one really talks about them in terms of buys, transfers, moves that you have yeah. to make. I think again, it's just a, you know part of it is that Spurs fell off a cliff, which uh, just removed a lot of premium assets. I mean, without Sun, without Kane, and now and now Ali's out for who knows how long with a hamstring injury um suddenly it's just it's just erickson by himself and do you really want a nine million what about 9.3 million midfielder without anyone to pass the ball to it's just like denmark yeah it's just a, it's a mess so um you know i think that it's just kind of yeah, yeah it's like the denmark team so um yeah it's that that hurts a little bit but i mean it was only three or four game weeks ago where you had you had sun you had kane you had Aubameyang, you had 
tons of forward options, tons of midfielder options, interesting defender options. It only feels locked in for a short time, I guess, is how I'm, I'm feeling about it. I think that, you know, I think I think it will change, um, you know, very soon. So yeah, I, um, yeah. I, I think what what just to point out, uh, West Ham could be a big opportunity, depending on what happens with Arnatovich and if they bring in any other attackers. They do seem like they could arouse from their slumber at, at some point down the stretch. Oh, I, I hope so. Yeah. Well, we have another question here from Sam Danby. He's wanting to know about bandwagons that we should absolutely stay away from. Players who have little excitement around them, but really are not to be touched. Isaac's success levels have overhyped. So uh, do do you have in mind, Josh, any players that you feel like they're getting a little bit of hype uh, right. here in the January transfer window or, or as, as things are shifting around? Well, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about Gonzalo Higuain, and I, I, I just am not, uh, I'm not feeling that at all. Um, I just don't. I mean, I wonder if I'm a little biased because I don't watch a ton of Syria, and so whenever I see him play, he's like, like choking in a in a major match, you know, a Champions League final or a World Cup final or something yeah. like that, you know. And so I, I feel like I don't. Um, I don't see him like banging, you know, three or four in some random Serie A match. Uh, and if I did, maybe I feel differently. I know that he's 31, that he his form has not been great this season. Uh, he's going to come in at an extremely high price, and Chelsea aren't a good form. So mm-hmm. all of those things combined make him kind of a non-starter for me, at least at first. You know, but when Aubameyang joined the league, I kind of felt the same way. You know, and he, uh, uh, you know, has gone on to obviously, you know, really impress. So. So it's a, it's a wait and see for me, but that's a bandwagon that I'm staying away from for now. If, if we can even call it a bandwagon, it's more like people are just starting to get excited about it, and I feel like I want to strike a note of caution. Um, I also think the Man United defense is one that I just feel like I want to stay away from. I just don't tr- I, I don't trust the way that team is set up. Like it's a, it feels like that defense is a year or two away from being trustworthy. I mean, it's it's great that Lindelof is finally seems to be playing well, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it just seems like anybody can score on them in any given game week. And it's, it's not clear who the best fullbacks or the best, you know, center backs are on that team. And, um, it's kind of old as well. And I don't know. I, I, I mean, Luke Shaw is the one that a lot of people just got kind of screwed. Wasn't it weird that he fell ill in the warm up? Uh-huh. Like it w- <laughs> that's strange. Like what, yeah. what does that mean? You know, like, I don't he, know. Gets, gets a little, has a little stomach bug maybe. I guess stomach bug, yeah, or maybe. Uh, I mean, how ill would you have to feel to 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 just bow out of a game? You know, like I don't know. It was, I don't that know. was a strange one. Go take some, some time. Surely, yeah. surely, some of these guys are just really proud, and they show up to the match. They're on the team sheet. They don't tell anyone that they're not feeling well, and then right. suddenly they realize during warm up, like I'm not going to get away with this. I feel like I would just play badly. I don't know. I would like, <laughs> hey, it, it, like Jordan's Jordan's famous flu game. Yeah, exactly. You never know. What, yeah, you never know what, what's going to come out. Yeah, you know? I've, uh, yeah. I've got a bandwagon for you that you might want to stay away from, and okay. that is the uh, Ricardo Pereira Leicester City defensive mm. bandwagon. I mean, sure. they, they they have abysmal fixtures for the next three weeks with Liverpool, United, and Spurs, but then it just totally breaks for them, and they just have this insane run starting in game week 27 so people have been hyping and and i think justifiably so hyping Pereira because of his attacking prowess uh but 
I just watching that Leicester team against Wolves uh, and and how Puel is seems to be at odds with them. I don't like mm-hmm. the look of it. I don't like the feel. And I'm not optimistic that that bandwagon is going to really pay off long term. Yeah, that the, uh, you know, Dean, who will be um, off in game week 27, I think Dean to Pereira in game week 27 will be a very tempting move for a lot of managers, um, especially because uh, Everton has kind of, kind of a tricky run of fixtures in the game weeks after. So the game week 27, they're going to be off. Uh, and then they play Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal in three of the next five after that. So, um, and I think we saw enough in the Southampton game. I, I don't actually know what Southampton's XG was in that game, but it was, I think it was about 30. Like, I feel, I feel like they should have scored 30 goals in that match. Like, it was, I don't know if you've seen highlights or watched any of the match, but it was, they were tearing up Everton. It was crazy yeah. how much they were tearing them up. Like, yeah. they're, they don't even have good attackers. Like, I don't know how it was. <laughs> I mean, I guess the fact that they weren't finishing uh, points to the fact that they, you know, that they don't have good attackers. But I mean, like, it was like off the post, like goal line clearances. Like, I felt like they were really. I, it was amazing that it ended two one. I mean, Everton almost almost you know drew that game in the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I'm with you there. No 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 on uh, prayer until uh, later on in the season. Brandon, last question in the template discussion comes from Jeff Wa of Schma, who is one of my favorite people on Twitter. Brandon, I think he's 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 got a great nose for a corny joke, and uh, I really <laughs> really like that about him. Yes. Uh, he says, "How come nobody spotted Schnar? Have we is it Schnar Schnar Schar?" Shar, not Schnar. How come nobody? That's why I can't. I can't spell his name. How come nobody spotted Shar? Have we just become masters of the obvious? In which case, there's less skill involved in this game than we think. Uh, I mean, you'd have to be a real student of Newcastle and the Premier League to have been able to pick Shar out of a lineup. He hasn't played a, a full ninety since game week fifteen. Let's see. Yep. He's only started, you know, like a handful of games. Little did you know, watching him play in those few games, that he was actually willing to do a masterclass on how to run, dribble into the box and tuck tuck a ball away far post. Incredible finish. So, uh, <laughs> it I was mean, incredible. If, yeah. If you could have seen that one coming, then yeah, you're you're finishing number one overall in the world every season. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pick a player who never plays, um, who's yeah, been in and out of the squad. It, it, I mean, you have to take some gambles, like we we talked about earlier, but I, I guess he was an okay game. I don't know. Like no one was gonna have him in your t- he wasn't he's like the most expensive Newcastle defender, too. And they're in this like horrible run of fixtures as well. So um yeah, it's a, you you couldn't have you couldn't have Shar. He is um, currently yeah. selected by seven thousand seven hundred and twenty-seven managers. That is, uh, that's a very small pool of people who are happy. But what I think is the more interesting part of his question here is, that, you know, have we become masters of the obvious? Um, you know, and this is, is there less skill invest in this? Is there less skill involved in this game than we think? I mean, the answer to the second question is yes. There is less skill involved in this game than we think. There's a lot of luck involved. But are we becoming masters of the obvious, Brandon? Or do you think that you know we? we I mean, maybe us or everyone else who has a yeah, you know, podcast, YouTube channel, popular Twitter account. Are we all just hyping up the same people? You know, or are we missing out on on some that, you know rough gems? That is the chief complaint about the FPL community this season: is it's just a big echo chamber, and we're all kind of just moving to the same template even as the template changes so 
Right. Yeah, I, I, I think people struggle to, to um, devote that much time to it, right? To get yeah. a pick like Shaw, right, or even just using him as a hypothetical, to get a, a big differential pick like that, right? You have to really pour over some major statistical models or, as you say, just get lucky. So right. um, I don't think we should beat ourselves up too much for being obvious insofar as that uh, – Yeah. But I guess – I mean I guess the – you know, we, to, to sort of maybe tie everything up here, you know, I don't think that when I'm, when I'm making transfers, I am not typically making transfers for one particular game week. You know, I'm trying to think over the course of several game weeks. I am – you know, yeah, we all like get close to the template, but, you know – Luca, Lucas, is it Luca or Lucas? Whatever the Dean. So Dean was not a template player for a long, long, long time. You know, he just wasn't, and you know, he was under five percent ownership. He was you know, nobody was bringing. He was maybe being talked about, but nobody was really bringing him in. You know, and and yeah, I mean, these everyone who's good becomes a template player, and the goal is to have the most good players and the trick of the game, like the essential part of the game, as you mentioned earlier, Brandon, is just to get there early, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and find some combination of qualities. Some people like underlying stats. Some people like the eye test. I mean, maybe you need a little bit of all of them, but you know, I think that it's, it's all about getting there first, you know? And so, you know, and sometimes you just can't get there first and you just have to jump on you know, just jump on the bandwagon and then wait until the opportunity comes to jump back. You know, Harry Kane is going to come back in a couple of weeks. You know, it's March is not that far off, you know, and there's when he comes back, there'll still be 10 game weeks left in the season. You yeah. know, get on him early. You yeah. know, um, Raheem Sterling, like you said, you know, is his ownership's been dropping, you know, significantly, especially among people in the top 10, top 50K. You know, get on him early. And, you know, and then, and then, you know, when everyone complains about the template, you can at least think to yourself, well, I got all these points booked before he became a template player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it It's a really scummy feeling, too, to know you're getting a, a bandwagon template player and you're <laughs> yeah. getting there late to the game. So you just yes. – sometimes you have to hold your nose and um, accept you that some, sometimes FPL is not pretty. Because uh, it's not yeah. going to last, you know. It's, yeah. You hold your nose and you bring them in because it's not going to last. Only Sala lasts forever, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well said. Well said. Well, that's a, that's a great point to for us to break. Uh, we'll have a little word from our sponsor here, and we'll be back with the lightning round. Let's take a minute for our good friends at Starting Eleven, the live Premier League fantasy app available for your iPhone or your Android phone. You can play for free or cash prizes. Josh, we're spending a lot of time this episode talking about breaking the template, and that is exactly what Starting Eleven allows you to do every day. So when you play Starting Eleven, any day in which there are two or more Premier League matches happening, you can pick a brand new best 11-man squad starting from scratch you have no budget restrictions and you can even make substitutions live on the fly while you're playing starting 11 guys don't just take brandon's word for it either take mine as well because i agree with everything brandon just said that's the first brandon that's right i just said it yeah wow uh isolate that one yep (laughs) cash games are now live in the u.s uk canada and germany for your iphone so when pascal gross goes home to see his family in germany he can play starting 11 brandon 
on the Android. Cash games are live for Android devices in the UK. Um, just pick up the app and play for free wherever you are. Uh, download the app today in uh, Apple's uh, App Store or in the Google Play Store. If you want to learn more about Starting 11, go to starting11.io for more details and helpful video tutorials. Uh, Brandon, it is, uh, you know, deciding to do a daily fantasy thing online, deciding to put some money online is something that can be, you know, slightly nerve wracking the first time you do it. Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a great, the you know, it's a, it's a very easy to use site. It's very safe. There have been you know, no complaints about it since, uh, since it's been rolled out for the last couple of years. Uh, everyone really enjoys using this app and uh, highly recommend it. Let's uh, just mention real quick the newest feature that started in 2019 on the app Mini League. So you can join pre-existing Mini Leagues through Starting 11 or start your own for your friends. And you can compete head-to-head uh, with, with your friends or people at your local pub. Starting11.io for more information. Pick up and play Starting 11 today. All right, Brian, we're back. No Game Week 24 preview, as I mentioned earlier. We're going to talk about that on next week's podcast. Right now, we're going to go right into the lightning round. Brandon, unlike some recent lightning rounds, which have gone a little bit long, you know, yeah. granted, sometimes okay. it does happen. I know. Uh, we never we wanted re- to. We regret it. We, re- we didn't we mean to. We always regret it, yeah. yeah. But this one, every answer, Brandon, 30 seconds or less, mm-hmm. uh, or, or strike you down dead, okay? okay. So okay. Uh, first one comes from uh, Niall Parker. He says, would you consider bringing Hazard in? Nice-looking fixtures and Higuain to come in and take that forward role. He is still the second-highest-scoring player in the game. It is staggering to see that he still holds that that second-place spot on the FPL mm-hmm. stats page. I certainly wouldn't know it, having only gotten one assist out of him since since my most recent run with Hazard. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will... Be patient with him and keep him for the next two game weeks, but I don't yep. like it. Um, I I would not tell anyone to bring him in. Just looking at the way Chelsea looked at Arsenal, the way Sari is now talking in press conferences. I mean, I I can't read the man's mind or know what's going on uh, on the training pitch to see how the players are going to react. But you just can't feel good at all about what's going on in Chelsea yeah. and the arrival of Higuain, as you were mentioning earlier, Josh really isn't enough to change our minds yeah and you know i mean jose Mourinho tried this tactic too of yelling at chelsea players a couple of years ago and um even conte a little bit as well right i just don't think it works you know with this i don't, I don't think it works in general probably but I, I don't think it works with this squad in particular so um yeah i would not recommend bringing him in i would i would definitely look at other options including someone like leroy sane who i think people are um, really continue to underrate just because he has this blanket game week 27. Um, I think the the Sané Mendy stuff, uh, which we can talk about in a later podcast, is a little overstated as well. I mean, those guys played together multiple times in the fall. So um, this idea that that Sané is just out, um, you know, as soon as Mendy gets back is not something that I um, really agree with. Agreed. All right. Next question comes from Dave Wegner Lodal. Did you see there's a Sala on Cardiff and a Sterling on Spurs? That means that you and I, Josh, we need to clarify that uh, when we're talking about Salah, we're talking about Liverpool's Mohamed Salah. And when we're talking about Raheem Sterling, we have to clarify Manchester City's Raheem Sterling every single time. Dave mentioned, wow. uh, mentions otherwise it'll be literally impossible to follow the podcast. Sorry for the inconvenience. OK, so wow. do you have that, Josh? I do. Yeah, we're gonna have to go back and re-edit a lot of this podcast, but I think I think we have to do it. Liverpool's Mo Salah. Yeah. 
Liverpool's Mo Salah, Manchester Matt Carter City. Salah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Got it. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. We really appreciate that. Never write in again. Uh, B Voorhees 13. That's a question uh, I got a lot of variations of, so I felt like it needed to be uh, on the uh, on the dock for today. It says first to transfer out Felipe Anderson or Richarlison. Uh, I pulled up some stats for these cats uh, on the cats. F- <laughs> these cats. Um, you know, you know, I grew up in the 70s. I'd use all that hip, hip, hip colorful hip language. Lingo. Yep, yeah. Yep. Um, there's not much separating these guys right now. I mean, neither of them are posting a lot of FPL points over the last month. Felipe Anderson is just getting so many more touches in hmm. the attacking half of the field. So if you are to look at any stat that makes makes me feel like there's more upside, more involvement in, in the attacking play, Felipe Anderson probably is going to edge out Richarlison. However, that said, Richarlison has the benefit of playing in that striker yeah. position. Well, and as we as we see with Eden Hazard, I mean, you know, just because a, a midfielder is playing out of position as a forward does not necessarily make them a better FPL asset. You know, some people are better served as as on the wing, you know. Um not not that not that they're any remotely alike with Charleston and Hazard, but um yeah, it does I I think I would go yeah, I guess I don't really want either. I, I, I was sort of stuck up for Charleston for a long time. I felt like he was getting very unlucky. I still kind of feel that way. Uh, but with, with a game week, you know, with, with a blank coming up in game week 27, um, I don't know. They have one more fixture. I mean, I guess I would I would hold – he has the better run of fixtures, right? Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. If we accept that maybe we have to drop both of these players by game week 26 in your preparation right. for – for 27 in the home stretch, then yeah, I, I think I agree. If you frame it that way, that Richarlison has has more upside, just given yeah. the fixtures. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah. So um, Felipe out, Richarlison. Out. I don't think either of them are are you know dire. I don't know. I mean, the Richarlison frustration, I can I can totally understand. But I, I think I would. I do not think you can drop him before um, Huddersfield. Okay. Uh, FPL Rockstar says, is it time to switch from a double Liverpool defense to a double Liverpool offense? Uh, man, oh, oh, how quickly the narrative changes here. Um, yeah. Liverpool's defense didn't look great by any stretch. I mean, playing Milner on the right uh, was a tough ask for him, particularly against Saha. Mm-hmm. But if if you assume that Trent is back for game week 24, then that's still Robertson, Trent, Virgil van Dijk, and Allison. That is effectively the defense that we have been relying on since yeah. uh, Joe Gomez went out injured. I, I'm fine with that. I don't want to get too jumpy. If If news happens to come out that, oh, it turns out that Trent's leg actually fell all the way off and he can't play <laughs> for the rest of the season, then, right. yeah, I... I, I I could be coerced into that double attacking uh, Liverpool move. I mean, okay, I, yeah, I, I am very much, I, I am all in on the double Liverpool defense plus Mo Salah combination. I, it, there is there is one team that plays good defense in the entire Premier League. There are twenty teams in the Premier League, Brandon. One of them plays good defense, and that's Liverpool. I mean, this has not always been true. And in other seasons, you've been able to find these these diamonds in the rough, you know, these Brightons and Burnleys. And, you know, a lot of times it's these promoted squads that are trying to one nil their way towards safety. 
we're not seeing that right now. <laughs> All we're seeing is Liverpool yeah. keeping clean sheets and nobody else keeping clean sheets. Now, I know they just conceded three to, to Palace, but that was kind of a funny game. Yeah, and it's it's widely reported that Crystal Palace is their bogey team. for So just for Liverpool to beat Crystal Palace at Anfield, right. not right. too shabby. And uh, just a point in Huddersfield's favor, they absolutely should have scored in, against Man City with like the last kick of the game. I think it was Mounier who blew a golden opportunity to wipe yeah. out that clean sheet. Uh, so, yeah, Man City's defense continues to struggle. Uh, yeah, so I, I think we would both agree on that one. Um, Adam P. says, aside from Liverpool and City, are Bournemouth's fixtures as bad from an attacking perspective as they seem? Uh, it says, should Wilson, Callum Wilson, be reconsidered? Wilson almost had a brace in this game. Yeah, now he's got a little knock that uh, I don't know how concerning that is, but just be be mindful of the injury news with Callum Wilson. I didn't realize that. He just he picked something up in the game or Yeah, he came out around the I think it was the 72nd mark. He's flagged with a knee injury actually. So that that is worrying given the ACL trauma that he's experienced, but yeah, this you know why? It's cuz he doesn't want to play Chelsea, the team he's about to move to in the January <laughs> transfer window. He's still <laughs> holding out hope that that Higuain news is 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 going to fall flat. Let's see right, the right. the the reports. Yeah, there there's no reports there, but so we'll we'll have to stay tuned on that. Yeah, um I'm ready to jump ship with Bournemouth right now even with Ryan Fraser. These fixtures are enough to put me off. I think I've ridden my luck with Ryan Fraser for yeah, quite long enough. They're terrible fixtures. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea, Liverpool in the next three. Three after that, they face Arsenal and Manchester City. Bournemouth, right. they the flat track bully seems a little too grand and dramatic for Bournemouth, but they will get stomped by really good teams. Yeah, they will. I mean, you know, they have scored. I mean, Wilson did score away to Man City. I mean, I'm just looking back at, you know, what Wilson has done in some of the bigger matches. You know, he scored two points away to Chelsea. Um, let's see. He did score at home to Man United, um, picked up two points in the Arsenal match, uh, scored but didn't pick up any bonus points in the Man City match, um, didn't play at all in the Liverpool match. Um Picked up two points against Wolves, two points uh, in the return leg with Man United. So, yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I think I think you're right there. I, I have a feeling that they can score against anybody, but, um, yeah, they're not I, – I guess – I mean, I don't know. Like, Wilson – okay, let, yeah, let's just table the Wilson thing for okay, a couple more du- Okay, double-figure double returns for Ryan Fraser against these teams, Cardiff, Leicester, Fulham, and Huddersfield. So, right. uh, yeah, flat-track bullies – uh, so I, I'm stick, sticking with that narrative. Where were you? Yeah, I think so it? too. Well, I, I'm just thinking about Brooks, um, who has been kind of like almost on the move for my team for weeks and weeks, and he just keeps scoring and, and assisting. And I, at some point, I guess I might just have to just keep holding on to him. Well, don't you think uh, once you once you get to that price bracket, he's what five point two or less than that? Yeah. yeah. Who, who else are you going to bring in? And that's that's somebody who you can yeah. bench in certain fixtures. Well, just because of the Kane injury, I've got about three million. So, you know, I could upgrade him to like an eight million player uh, if there's someone that I felt like I wanted in that bracket, which I'm not entirely sure there is, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I, I think right now, you know, he's not my starting to lineup. He's not my bus team for game week 24. Uh, and then I, I would like to play him in that game week 25 away to Cardiff. He's been playing really far forward, I feel like. It feels like he's been basically playing like at the almost at the head of the attack. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's, yeah. And then, yeah. And then if I keep him for gaming for 25 or Cardiff, I probably just bench him for 26 uh, at Liverpool because I want him at home for 27 with Wolves. So, um, yeah, but, but again, he's 5 million. Fraser is what? 6 million, 6.2 million. Yeah. Uh, that one, that 1 million does make a pretty big difference. Yeah, I, I think it does. Our next question comes from Red Dagger on our Slack channel. Is it simply better to have as strong an 11 as possible and then AWB plus a crap bench? Just take a rotation here and there instead of having a compromise starting 11 by putting players on your bench that only come in for two points anyway. Josh, would you consider spending more than $4.5 million on a bench midfielder or is that just a waste? Well, no, it's 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 only a waste right now. Um, but I mean, we're we're four weeks away from when you really might need those players to shine, you know, and you might need to spend a little more on a, a upgrading Pierre Emil Hoiberg to somebody who you'd feel more comfortable starting or possibly bringing you some attacking returns. You know, I mean, if you have, I mean, let's say that 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 things work out as scheduled and. Um, you know, Chelsea wins um, the second leg um, in the Spurs match, and uh, yeah, Man City uh, do as expected. Uh, you know, uh, make it to the League Cup final as well. So in game week twenty-seven, uh, Chelsea and Brighton won't play, and Man City and Everton won't play. Now, of those four teams, you've got to think that most people have at least one or two of those players, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to transfer out every single one of those players just because they're missing one game week. You know, um, that seems like a little extreme to me. So, um, and, you know, if that's the case and you're going to need to dig into that bench, maybe one or two spots. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm just looking ahead of game week 27. Um, you know, I mean, Crystal Palace play away to Leicester. I mean, that's not a great fixture for Aaron Wambasaka. So, um, I don't know, Cardiff have a pretty good fixture that game week. So, doesn't, um, doesn't, that, Re- well, does, yeah. Doesn't Red Dagger's question speak to this myth of expensive is always better? In that, if you don't spend every dollar that's in your um, your transfer bank, then you're doing something right. wrong. And we have been given so many gifts, like Marcus Rashford recently, and yeah, AWB. I don't disagree that he should be benched with a lot of these upcoming fixtures, but we, I think, we have a template that doesn't take your entire budget, and to have that freedom to rotate game week to game week with a decent player on your bench, I think this is the season to do it. And, yep. and uh, you, you can't lock into this idea of if you have, if you have extra money that you're somehow playing the game wrong. Yeah. I, th- and like this idea that you can't bench good. Pl- yeah, exactly. Like I, 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 maybe I was a little extreme when I was talking about benching a bombing earlier, you know, maybe an 11 million player who, could, who doesn't need a lot of opportunity to score is probably not a player you want to bench, but you know, I think where Charleston is a benchable asset, you know, I mean, would you consider benching Pogba in a match? No, no. What about Jimenez? I feel like I feel like I yes. have played Jimenez more often than I should. Yes. I know that he has a he has a track record of, of doing pretty well in matches against like top opposition, but it feels a little fluky, a little lucky to me. Um, you know, and I feel like I've been playing him as like a week in week out sure starter. And there probably been a couple of times when I could have played, uh, Aaron Wambasaka over him, for example, yeah. and, uh, and picked up an extra four points. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. All right. Uh, next question, Peter Oleski, new Patreon member. Welcome, Peter. General question. How do you handle rotation within your own, own team when you have 12 really good players? This kind of is a, uh, a good uh, bookend bookend to Red Dagger's question. 
when most of us have attacking fullbacks and clean sheets are dead. So uh, when you're looking at your bus team, Josh, and you're thinking about rotation, what's the first thing that you consider? I mean, is, does this suddenly become a form versus fixture question? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, let's actually let's take it together with a with a question that comes later from Matt Seward. He says, uh, when "Choosing defenders, how much do you weigh matchups versus the quality of defense? Uh, is it a good is is a good defense with a bad matchup better than a mediocre defense with a mediocre matchup?" Uh, the question arose. I said, "I would rather play Bennett at home against Leicester than David Louise away at Arsenal." So you know the question, which I think is kind of ties in with Peter's question, which is basically you know one player is better than the other player, right? They offer more attacking potential. They um, come from a stronger team, better chance of a clean sheet. You know, how, like, what What does it take for you to bench a player like that? Yeah, well, you think about the, I guess this Bennett versus Louise question or um, example is a good way to frame it. What do you, first start off, what do you believe is the most likely outcome for that actual fixture? Chelsea right. versus Arsenal. Well, Arsenal's going to score pretty sure of that so suddenly that's a that's a con against louise uh bennett he's on wolves they're playing wolves is at home against a mediocre lester less uh, wolves are definitely going to win that match and the mm-hmm. odds of them giving a, getting a clean sheet based on the comparison are much higher so yeah i think that logic tracks that's a great way to get to bennett over louise if you just think about what's the likeliest uh, outcome for that particular match yeah and it's i mean honestly these are coin flips you know and i i think there's there, there are way too many times when i mean bennett bennett you know i mean i don't know but better marking bennett doesn't score a goal and he's just not, he's just on a defense that concedes three goals you know david louise had an amazing through ball at the start of i mean it was like 20 minutes into the arsenal chelsea match yeah because you know if he scores that maybe he's on four points maybe five he gets a bonus point or something for the game and, you know, and so I think there's a tendency sometimes that like when you have like a decision that's gen- that's honestly 50-50 and it breaks your way, then you're a genius and it breaks the other way and you blew it, you know, and I just don't think that's the right way to think about it sometimes. We have to accept that like, I mean, honestly, it's like sometimes you have to remember that like it's not a video game in general, that it's not like, you know, that like there's not like some predetermined outcome here and that <laughs> it's entirely possible that things will go your way or won't based on a lot of factors that are completely outside of your control you know i mean when david brooks got a brace and three bonus points in a match you know he got kind of lucky it was a red card 70 minutes in or something like that you know um and i think he already he already had a yellow card in the match it scored a goal he's probably gonna get about five points uh but because of a late red card he ends up on 15 you know so um i don't know it's just like it is kind of um uh you know we don't always know you know and so it's i think it's reasonable to to just kind of um, go with your gut a little bit. Yeah. All right. Next question is about Spurs. Juan Aguitos asks, Spurs attacking options for the next two weeks. Hashtag, this is not sarcasm. So we've touched upon Spurs a couple of times throughout this pod. Delhi looks like he's out with a hamstring. It's a pretty straightforward question. Do you touch Spurs attack with a 10-foot pole, yes or no? Do you touch anybody on Spurs, Right. I don't want any. I, I don't want a single player on Spurs right now. Yeah, I don't I, either. I, not not even their defense. Yeah. No, Hugo Lloris no. is. I've seen him pop up in a few rate my teams, and I think there are so many better options, even yeah. cheaper than him. Yeah, if Lucas Mora, you know, comes back in, you know, maybe. I mean, they've, they've got three home games in a row, but um, yeah, I, I don't want Lamella. I, Erickson at nine point four million, too expensive. So, yep, no, no, no Spurs assets, and their defense is too pricey. 
Next question. El Tigre, is Rashford essential or is just having Pogba enough? Uh, I think you should have both right now. Um, I think, uh, if anything, I'd rather have Rashford for Pogba. Um, and talking about effective ownership, I mean, Rashford's not going to get capped in that often, but um, he is insanely uh, highly owned right now. And, you know, if he does anything good in a match, uh, it's really going to come back and hurt you. Um, and they play Burnley, Leicester, and Fulham in their next three. Yeah. So, it, if the um, fixtures were different, yeah. I think it's a different discussion. But yep. the form is too good and the fixtures are too good. So, yeah, I, I think both really become essential. All right. Final question, Brandon. L Professor says, do you understand these own goal rules? I really can't figure out how Danilo's goal wasn't an own goal, but Barnes's was. Uh, his shot was way more deflected. Yeah. To be an own goal, the initial shot has to be judged to be off target and to be put on target by the touch of the defenders. Pretty. That's about as straightforward as, yeah. as it gets. There is some wiggle room sometimes. Uh, I, you know, I feel like sometimes... It's very hard to determine whether a shot was on target or not, but yeah, um, you know, it's they're all just they're just making this stuff up. Sure, know, I mean, no, I mean, when it's harder yeah. to judge, I think they just err in favor of the attacker and just just give them the. What did you think? Uh, yeah, I, okay, so yeah. Uh, moving on from the own goal, what did you think of Salah touching that ball over the line that Spironi uh, mishandled? I loved it. I mean, I thought it was hilarious. Um, I love uh, – he knew what he was doing. That ball was about to go in. But I guess that would have been a Spironi own goal, right? Yes. I, I don't think you call that – it was a cross from Milner, not, yeah. a, not a shot on goal, I don't think. Yeah, no. So I love – and this is why Salah is so fantastic because he's just – he's such – he's like he's, – he's on pens. He's a goal poacher. He's obsessed with scoring goals. Um, he's a midfielder playing out of position as a forward. I mean, he is the perfect FPL asset. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess, you know, that the penalties have been kind of a huge part of his game. But you wonder if maybe if he wasn't scoring those penalties, if he would have scored other, you know, like your game sort of changes when you go up a couple of goals too, you know? So I I don't know. I feel like to watch him is to to appreciate him as an FPL asset. I don't think that... um, um, I mean, I, I'm sort of. I, mean, I guess I'm thinking back to Luke's question earlier, but um, I love Salah. I love watching him play. I I love how much of a goal poacher he is. Um, I mean, what did you think about it? Um, I thought it was kind of ridiculous, but um, yeah, it was a huge boon for Salah captainers out there. So yeah. um, I mean, I do feel for anyone out there who has been trying to ride their luck without him or went for a differential captain. Like I tip my hat to you. I've been there. I've tried it. Uh, but right. that was just such a game week changing touch that he had. But right. reminded me of that time that Lukaku took that goal off of was it uh, Davies yeah. uh, on Everton when he was on Everton? The ball right. was going in, and Lukaku was just like, "Sorry, man, I make money every time I do this, so I'm just going to be but having that." Yeah, but I feel like with Salah, it's not like good luck. I mean, that's that is his game. Like, what was the game you and I were watching together, the Black Horse? Uh, like ages ago now where he scored like right at the death it was like a shakiri free kick that you know that he just like he was just it came out of nowhere you know and flew in and knocked in the rebound like with seconds left and in, in extra time in the first half and that you know he just like he is he is just the most aggressive player on the pitch and when you're the most aggressive player you're going to get moments like that yep. you're going to try to steal every point you can every goal you can the cliche so, is true you do yeah. make your own luck he has to knock it off with this penalty appealing uh 
That is not a good look for my man. He's getting hacked, though. I, I don't know. I think that I, to me that that stuff's overblown. I think it's. I I, I don't think. I, like, let him do his run, man. Like I I feel like it's you know he's getting he's just getting followed in the box. I don't know. Like not all of them are equal, I guess. But I don't know. I think that you know the people are like he gets the ball and he's getting. I think he's getting fouled. You know. I mean, and I think what it's. I don't think. Do you think most of those penalties he's won have been illegitimate? I think they've mostly been. Well, it's it's there are shades of the argument where were they illegitimate? Were they dives or were them him making a complete meal out of the obvious contact? And, um, you know, it's it's also a, a cultural debate where, you know, there are some football cultures where this is this is de rigueur. This is this is the dark arts. This is how you play. Right. Um, but I, I think my bigger issue is when I see a player of his caliber doing that it strikes me as a lack of confidence. He's like, this is the only way that I'm going to be able to score. And that was not the yeah. Salah I remember from last season. I, d- I don't see it that way. Yeah. And I think that they're in a absolute dogfight title race right now. And he's willing to do anything to, to score goals. And, and I, I, I mean, it's like, it just depends on how much you think he cares about the team. You know, I mean, if you, if you think it's all about him scoring his own goals and that's one thing, but if you think that he's doing this because these are, these are tight matches and he is trying to win the match for Liverpool and he knows that he could win a penalty this way and every win is of vital importance, then to me that's just being a winner, you know? So I don't know. I mean, I, I hear I actually do hear what you're yeah. saying, uh-huh. but I just don't I just don't find him to be a serial diver and I don't I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it's, I mean, it's not like Ronaldo or something where he like feigns an injury every time somebody, <laughs> you know, breathes on him in the box and he jumps up pretty fast. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's leave that one to the to the hogs <laughs> okay. and the masses to debate. Right. Fair enough. Uh, all right, Brandon, that's enough of this week's podcast. Uh, once again, if you'd like to support the podcast and we we, we think you'll enjoy it, uh, we had some a great discussion on the Slack this week, Brandon. I thought it was like a one of the all-time best weeks for the Slack. I don't know if you agree with that. I thought it was just fantastic. How could I disagree? Time. Yeah, I agree. How, why why would you? Yeah. Even if you, even if you disagreed, you wouldn't say it. Uh, go to patreon.com slash always cheating to support the podcast. Brian, let's thank our producers. Yeah. To our producers, we thank you. Mike DePietro, Stephen Toomey, Sam Streak, Jacob Roberts, Carl Rasmus, Lini Granley, Chris Howell, Raphael Khan, Martin Savage, Rick Brailsford, Jim Payne, Adam Benjamin, Max Chamberlain, Brian T, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Carter, DeBig Gaffer, Danny Evans, Bobas Kuhn, Tor Fernland, Sir Matt Husby, Ben Grant, and James Holland. Thanks to our producers. That's right. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review the podcast. It genuinely, like, honestly makes a big difference in people being able to find the podcast. We very much appreciate it. Uh, you can find the podcast on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, maybe Google itself if you Google yeah, the podcast. Yeah. probably find it that way. Uh, you can also find it on Acast. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters, H-A-I-L Cheaters. Uh, Instagram, we're also there. We're at Hail Cheaters as well. Uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash always cheating. Uh, you can email us, hailcheaters at gmail.com. Or to find the podcast, uh, send us an email, uh, see the latest Instagram posts, et cetera, et cetera. Go to alwayscheating.com, our website. Uh, I'm wearing my Vokes Poku Sorloth Embakani t shirt. I, I want to give a salutation to all four of my. My favorite talisman in the game of world football. So to you, folks, Poku, Sorloth, and Embakani, wherever you are, I know you're listening. Uh, have a great, have a great FA Cup weekend.
That's right. Happy Martin Luther King Day to everybody. Talk to you later, Brandon. Chin chin. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.